Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Corinthians chapter number 16, we have reached the end, uh, the conclusion some may even say the exciting conclusion. I think that's how they like to end television shows back in the day with those exciting conclusions. I think that was on Batman, though, right? That's how one of the, they would do. We've reached the exciting conclusion. Uh, but First uh, Corinthians chapter number sixteen, uh, Paul is going to conclude some things here as he's been. Uh, working with this church and dealing with this church, I want to remind you that uh, Paul spent more time in Corinth than with any other church plant that he planted. Uh, He spent nearly 18 months uh, establishing this church, and you can tell uh, by uh, by the letter that he's writing here in 1 Corinthians that uh, there was probably much more time that one could have spent. Um, now, the other thing, and the other amazing thing on this, is that Paul was not the only uh, one that was working with this church. Of course, uh, Peter, as well as Apollos, uh, also had some influence over this church at Corinth. Um, of course, we don't have any letters or anything from them to this church, but we do have this letter uh, from the Apostle Paul. We also know, I think it's important to note, uh, that this is not the only letter that Paul wrote to this church. Of course, we have 1 Corinthians uh, as well as 2 Corinthians. And uh, I, once we get into 2 Corinthians, you'll see some things there uh, where Paul has a, uh, a different uh, spirit about him in the letter that is that he gives secondly. Um, and not just in the spirit, but in his application. Um, and you kind of see a little bit, uh, not less firmness, I don't want to say it that way, but uh, where, where Paul is not necessarily as direct, could I say it that way? And uh, he deals with some things there in 2 Corinthians, and we'll see that in the weeks ahead um, as we move into 2 Corinthians soon. Uh, it's not going to be next week, but it will be soon uh, when we get there, because I don't want to miss uh, too much of what's happening here at this church. But I want to remind you, Uh, as well, that Paul is establishing and seeking to establish a a unity within this church. And he stresses that in the first four to five chapters, uh, six chapters really, uh, as he's dealing with what was reported to him uh, by the household of Chloe. And Chloe, of course, uh, in her house, Uh, wrote Paul a letter and gave him uh, some descriptions as to what was happening and what was taking place within the church that needed dealt with. Um, And they wanted to inform Paul of what was going on. And so he deals with some of those conflicts. He deals with some of the the bad doctrine that was going on and really uh, even some of the sin that was taking place within this church. And he takes that first six chapters and deals with uh, trying to build a unity within the church. Now, the other part, the second section that we find in this book of 2 Corinthians is the fact that uh, this church had 
questions. And uh, again, I, I want to remind you as well that I think one of the most blessed things that we have as people is the ability to ask questions. And when we see questions within Scripture, uh, we, we don't get too many things dismissed. Uh, the Lord answers questions, and I'm grateful to have a God that answers questions. And I believe that uh, spiritual leadership uh, doesn't mind being questioned. Uh, doesn't mind having those questions and getting those questions uh, within that and being able to give an answer. And so we have this in uh, 1 Corinthians as uh, in chapter 7, that second uh, set kind of begins, and they wanted to know, what about marriage? And so Paul gave them some instructions and gave them, uh, he even, and, and again, one of the things I appreciate uh, within Scripture is God gave Paul uh, some liberty to give his opinion, didn't he? Uh, and he gave his opinion, and he marked it down as his opinion. And from his opinion, he went into, well, this is, he said, this is what I think, but just so you know, this is what the Lord says. And he answered that question about marriage. Uh, then in chapters 8, 9, and 10, he spent uh, three chapters uh, dealing with and addressing the topic and the question of Christian liberty. Uh, what about Christian liberty? What are we able to do? What are we not able to do? Why should we do uh, within that? Then the big topic on this particular uh, thing was, uh, can we eat meat offered unto idols? And uh, anybody remember the answer? The answer was yes. And the answer was no. <laughs> Yes and no. It depended on the situation. And I'm convinced this evening that we too, uh, even in our culture, uh, we have a, uh, the, a similar fashion where there are things that in certain settings are okay, they're permissible. And then there are other settings and other, uh, depending on who's there and around, uh, that it would be not permissible or not best. Uh, to do. And so Paul dealt with that about Christian liberty, uh, where all things are lawful, but just not all things are expedient, he said. Then in uh, chapter 11, he goes into uh, church conduct. How do we conduct ourselves? And what do we do in those instances? And then chapters 12, 13, 14, and 15, uh, dealing, or 14, dealing with uh, the spiritual gifts. And then chapter uh, 15, dealing with the resurrection and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when we come to uh, this last chapter in chapter 16, uh, I'd like to read a few verses and get some context here uh, to what is happening, uh, because we're really going to deal with two, uh, two different things as we come into uh, chapter 16, because we have uh, one last question that Paul is going to answer, and then he's going to give the exciting conclusion and the conclusion to the book and what is coming in, and coming uh, ahead for them. But we're going to begin in verse number 1, and we'll read down several verses here, and we'll make some comments, and then we will uh, conclude the, the series here this evening. But let's look at uh, verse number 1 tonight. The Scripture says, Now, concerning the collection... For the saints, as I have given order to the church, churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, 
Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. When I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberal liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. and There are many adversaries. <clears throat> now, if Timotheus comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, and conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desire him to come unto you with the brethren. But his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he have convenient time. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to every one that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaeus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord and the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with an holy kiss. The salutation of Paul, of me, Paul, with my own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus, amen. So this evening, we're going to answer the question about the collection as well as the conclusion or the concluding thoughts of Paul to this church at Corinth. Let's pray this evening and we'll jump right into this. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much that you have been so good to us. Father, you have brought us to a place and a time for such a time as this. God, as we conclude this marvelous letter that has dealt with so much. I pray that we would be mindful of what is taking place here in these words, in this book, but also how it may apply to our lives. 
how we can take your word and make certain that we follow, that we have within it what you would have. God, I ask tonight that you would just remove any distractions that may be within our midst, that may be upon our hearts, that we might focus upon you and you alone for these next few moments. Help us in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. All right. So I'm going to give you two points here this evening. Very simple. One about the collection, two, the conclusion. And within this, of course, this question had came up and was a concern of this church at Corinth of uh, what about the collection? And you can know that as this transitions here, uh, Paul is answering once again a question. Uh, they wanted to know what about the collection because he starts by saying now concerning the collection for the saints. He says, I, you've, had, you've asked me this about this and I'm going to answer uh, your question. I'm going to give you just, uh, I'm going to give these very quickly here uh, because I want you to notice what is taking place here and how the collection is to be taken. And a lot of these things here uh, also conclude or, uh, or we gather from what is taking place in Scripture even to as uh, how we do them here today. Um, and so they're taking a collection, it's for the saints, and we want to see, of course, uh, the location of the offering. Uh, this was not a uh, necessarily a, a mailed-in thing or anything like that. Uh, as he says here, now concerning the collection for the saints, I have given order to the churches of Galatia, uh, even so do ye. He says this is kind of kind of standard across the board. He said this is what the other churches are doing, and I'm going to tell you the same thing. And so he says uh, the location would be at the church, uh, at the church. This is a local church offering. Now, uh, of course, we have uh, different technology today that most likely they did not have then. Uh, you know, I'm not certain about their uh, their mail system, so to speak. Um, but most people would uh, remain in their city, and they didn't necessarily uh, mail things like we would today across country and uh, different avenues like that. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with uh, how we uh, might take an offering today as far as we've, we've received offerings in the mail. Uh, we even, I, this uh, uh, not a shameless plug here, but uh, we use, utilize technology in online giving. Uh, as well. You may or may know that. You may not know that. But if you don't know that and you want to use it, use it. Um, it's a technology that we have. But the, it all comes and comes into the location of the local church. And that's the purpose of the offering for the local church. But he says, I've given that order. And then we see the timing of the offering. Uh, the timing of the offering is the first day of the week. Now, as he says here, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Now, the idea of the timing of the offering, uh, again, we may have different offerings that come in uh, at different times, but when it comes to the first day of the week, guess what we do? It's counted. Uh, it's all accounted for upon that first day of the week. Uh, then we see not just the location, not just the timing, uh, but we also see the source of the offering. 
the source of the offering. Now, this one, I think, is uh, of utmost importance here, and, um, and we're just going to deal with it how Paul dealt with it, okay? Can we do that? Everybody agree? Everybody good? Amen? Hallelujah. Um, the source of the offering. Location, the church. The timing, first day of the week. But who's giving it? Anybody notice this? It says, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered. Okay, now, what does that mean? What does everyone mean? It means everyone, right? Okay, let everyone, that, there's a clause here though, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Okay, the question is, has God prospered you? If God has prospered you in a monetary way, guess what that means? It means you have an offering. It means you participate in the collection. That's what it means. So my son, Justice, Justice, stand up. They saw you earlier. This will help keep him awake, I suppose. Uh, I'll let you sit down in a minute. Justice has no prosperity. <laughs> he doesn't have a job. Do you have a job that I'm not aware of? People pay you for stuff? No? So you have not been prospered. Is that what you're telling me? Oh, you're off the hook. Thank you. He has no prospering yet. But guess what? When he starts getting prospered, he's included in everyone. Now, that's the interesting thing about this is you say, well, I, I haven't been prospered. Well, then you're not in everyone this time. Amen? But the collection and the purpose of the collection, the location, the timing, the other thing is about the amount. Now, this is an interesting aspect. Okay? Because we like to talk about the amount. Now, let's just, we'll use some simple basic math here for a moment. We have, uh, from the Old Testament, the principle of the tithe. It's an Old Testament principle, a tithe being 10%. Uh, of course, things have changed dramatically uh, over the time of uh, the uh, of the tithe, the tithe in the Old Testament, many times uh, was uh, from uh, from their flock of sheep and goats and cows and uh, their herd. Uh, it was also part of their uh, their crops uh, that they would bring into the house of God, and that is how, by the way, uh, that is how those that ministered within the house of God were taken care of. Flour, grain, uh, the the meat, the vegetables, uh, all of all of that was used, and the purpose of it was used. Ten percent of that was used within the house of God for those that ministered. 
within the house of God. And so everyone contributed to that, and that was used to take care of the church of God. Then there were other offerings as they were prospered, and they would bring in gold and silver and precious stones, and they would bring in all of these things. And that is how the house of God continued in the Old Testament. So we've, we've borrowed from the Old Testament this principle of 10%. Now, the, the principle of the percentage is a pretty easy, basic thing. Because again, it is only as God has prospered. So imagine, if you will, that we would say, this is only an imagination, this is not what we're saying, let me disclaimer this uh, within that. Uh, but if we would were to say uh, this evening that in order to be a member of Bailey Road Baptist Church and enjoy all of the member benefits uh, that come along with being a member of Bailey Road Baptist Church, uh, one must give in the offerings $20,000 a year. How many of you are good with that? Anybody good with that? That's really a good deal with all the benefits that you get. How many of you say the benefits out are weighed, weighed into that? How many of you say no go? How many good? 2,000. Anybody good at 2,000? That's a real good deal. I'm asking 10, 10% of the 20. 2,000. How many of you, you know, none of you are good with that? Okay. 200. Bargain bottom line. $200 a year. You can be a member. That's a pretty good deal, Trevor. You should take it. He's not taking it. No? No go. Justice? $200. Be a member. We're selling memberships at Bailey Road. No, we're not. Uh, not doing that. No, 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 no. See, we don't do that. There's not an amount that is specific for membership of a local church. But there are certain expectations that go with it within that amount, within the source, let every one of you, but it's only as God has prospered. As God has prospered. Now here's the deal. If God gives you, let's say this, if God gives you and prospers you with $200,000, 20000 is good. Everybody with me? 20000 is good if he's prospered you with, with that. But guess what? Miss, Miss Emily may be sitting over here saying, Pastor, I can't give $20,000. I can't give $20,000. But if God's prospered her with 2000 she says, but I can do two hundred. Guess what? That twenty thousand and that two hundred. You know what those are to God? They're the same. They're the same. Isn't that something? You see, sometimes we get so caught up in an amount, and I just want to remind you, God doesn't get caught up in amounts. Somebody should have said amen right there. God is not concerned about your amount as much as He's concerned about your heart. 
What's the heart in giving? I always think about the widow that gave two mites. One came in praising, oh, look what I've given. <laughs> the widow came in and she gave everything she had and Jesus said she gave more. She gave more. Because it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. The heart, again, the location, the local church, the timing, the first day of the week, the source. Let every one of you, as God has prospered, the amount of the offering, the purpose of the offering, the collection for the saints. Collection for the saints, that's what it's for. It's for the local church. Then, you'll also notice this here. Uh, as we look to, uh, again, a Bible, some may say, why do we do things the way we do? Uh, well, a lot, of, a lot of what we do comes from Scripture. Notice what Paul says in verse number 3. He says, And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberty unto Jerusalem. What he's saying is, Whoever you say handles the money does what? They handle the money. Paul said, I don't want to handle the money. It's whoever you choose. And whoever you choose, as long as they have the proper documentation, the letters saying that they're approved, I'll take care of it. We'll take care of it from there. And so you had the custodians of the offering. Whoever you shall approve. Guess what we do? Whoever we approve. It's not one person. The church decides. Who do we trust? Amen. Who do we trust in that? We take a look and say, well, I, we trust these folks to take care of the collections. And they did the same thing here. And so we find the principles of the collection. Now, that's just the first three verses. We read 24, and so we're going to move on into the conclusion here. The conclusion. Uh, Paul's going to give several comments uh, throughout these next 20 verses here, or 21 verses rather. And, and he goes through and he starts off by talking about his planned visit. Paul wants to come and visit the church. He wants to see them. And, and when he starts off in verse number 4, he says, "...and if it be meet, that is to be appropriate..." that I go also, they shall go with me. He says, so when they come, they have the collection. I'm either going to send them, or if it's appropriate, they'll go with me. But now, now, he says, I'm making plans in verse 5. I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia. Uh, for I do pass through Macedonia. Uh, one of the things... And you can see uh, the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you like to travel or not, but you all know this. Rachel and I, we like to travel. And uh, from time to time, we might uh, pass through an area that we know someone. Um, and, of course, you all know I'm from Indianapolis, and so uh, we're now close enough to where uh, we can go there frequently if we desire to. And, uh, but it's interesting because I have a lot of friends and family uh, in the area. Whenever I am there, it's always a challenge to make visits uh, because the question is, who do I, who do I want to see or who's available to see? And uh, I, I remember the last time I was there, I was there for four, uh, five days, 
Um, and, and I made a meeting each and every day uh, with different ones that I wanted to see, uh, have a meal with, share a meal with. One day I had lunch with one and dinner with another uh, and, and different things like that. Sometimes I would swing in. Uh, but uh, what Paul is saying here, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to be passing through and passing by your way, and I'm making plans on my way to Macedonia. I'm going to stop. I'm going to see you. But notice as he says this, he says, and it may be, depending on the timing of it, depending on the arrival of it, that I will abide and, yea, winter with you. Now, that's interesting. Now, of course, traveling in winter during this time is not like traveling winter uh, here in our time. And so he says, I'm going to stop and I'm going to stay a while. And I'm going to winter with you. So get something prepared uh, for me uh, as we do this. But I'm planning a visit. Uh, then he says in verse 7 again, uh, but I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. He says, so I, while I'm planning, there's a possibility it might not happen, but if the Lord permits, I want to. He says, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. So he's letting them know what he's doing. But notice he says in verse number 9, he says, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Check this out. This is important here. He says, There is a great door and effectual is opened unto me. You know what Paul's talking about here? I, I, if I can borrow uh, from this morning's message, you know what Paul's talking about? He's talking about going forward. He says, There's a door opened. I'm going to walk through it. And I think it's going to be effective. I think we're going to make headway here. I think we're going to have a great door that's effectual and it's opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. Here's what's interesting to me about this verse. It's not how you and I would say it. Is it? How would, how would you say it, Trevor? A great effectual door is opened unto me. Okay, I'm talking more on that second part as he says, and there are many adversaries. I think we would usually say but, wouldn't we? That makes sense? Think with me here. I've got a door that's open. I'm planning to walk through it. I want to walk through it. It's going to be effective, but there are many adversaries. Now hold on a second. There's a reason Paul didn't say but. There's a reason it says and. That's it. See, if I say there's an effectual door, it's opened, it's ready. It's effectual. I'm ready to go. But there are many adversaries. That gives the indication that I may or may not go depending on the adversaries. But when you say and, you follow me? When you say and, there are many adversaries, it means I'm still going. Even though there are many adversaries. 
I don't know about you, but I find great encouragement in that. Great encouragement in that. As a church, Bailey Road Baptist Church, we need to move forward. And there are going to be adversaries as we move forward. But it shouldn't stop us from moving forward. Somebody say amen. We should be shouting the roof down right now. There are many adversaries. But we're going to move forward. Because it's a door open. It's an open door. It's effective ministry. Paul says, this is where I'm going. This is what's happening. Understand that. He also comes through and he says, by the way, Timothy might stop by too. Isn't that something? He says, I'm coming. I want to come. I might have to go some another direction. But if I do, I'm probably going to winter with you. And also, by the way, Timothy wanted me to let you know that he might stop by and see you as well. If he does, if he does, notice this, that he may be with you without fear. What in the world does that mean? What does that mean? Here's what I think this means. A couple of things. One, treat Timothy right. Amen? I say, I'm going to say this and say this often. It, it should not matter. It should not matter who walks through the doors of Bailey Road Baptist Church. They ought to be greeted. They ought to be greeted. They ought to be spoken to. Whether they're in a three-piece suit, pull up in a Cadillac, or whether they're in a pair of shorts and a tank top and pull up in a Chevette. And no one drives Chevettes anymore. On purpose. Shouldn't matter, should it? Greet them right. Without fear. Timothy shouldn't have to worry about how he's going to be greeted at Corinth Church. And it should go the same way here at Bailey Road. No one should have to worry about how they're going to be greeted and treated when they come into Bailey Road Baptist Church. Somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you. There it is. He says, without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I do. Notice he goes on, he says, let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. He says, treat him right. He says, it's touching our brother Apollos. I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he have, or when he shall have convenient time. He says, Timothy might come. He's a little scared. Treat him right. I also tried to get Apollos to come, but he didn't have time right now. But when it's convenient for him, he's going to come as well. Welcome him. Treat him. Watching. Stand fast in the faith, he says. Quit you like men. Be strong. Now, these are interesting phrases here, as he just said. I'm going to come. Timothy might come. Apollos should come, but isn't, but will come later when he has a convenient time. 
watch ye. What's he saying? He's saying, watch for us. Watch for us. We should never, again, we should never be caught off guard when somebody walks through the doors and visiting Bailey Road Baptist Church. We should watch for it. We should welcome it. Then, he says, stand fast in the faith. Have faith that these will come. That new people will come. But then notice where he says, quit you like men. Now, men don't quit, amen? Men keep going. That's not what he's talking about here in this quitting. What he means here is behave. Behave like men. More specifically, behave like gentlemen. That would qualify the same for the ladies. Behave like ladies. Quit you like men. Be strong. Then it makes sense here, as he says in verse 14, let all your things be done with charity. Remember, we've, we've uh, and I'm just going to say it this way, we've cheapened the word charity today. We've cheapened it. It means more than love. It goes beyond love. It goes to the point of trying to do for your fellow man and treating them better. You want to be treated yourself. Going beyond that. Well, why is he talking about this? Well, he's talking about himself coming. He's talking about Timothy coming. He's talking about people coming to visit. He said, let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you. Check this out. I beseech you. Brethren, ye know that the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, I don't know if you picked up on this when I read it a moment ago, but I'm going to read it again a couple of times. That they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. In today's culture, we don't look at addiction as being a good thing, do we? It's negative. But if we say, oh, they're addicted. They're addicted to chocolate. Anybody addicted to chocolate? A couple of you? How many of you are addicted to coffee? Several of you? Again, we could go on and on, right? Addicted. Anybody addicted to ministry? Stephanus' house? It's what they did. Listen, here at Bailey Road Baptist Church, we need to become addicted to ministry. Just should. But here's, here's the only way we can do that is by understanding that ministry is about others, not about me. Stephanus wasn't saying, well, okay, I, I did this, what do I get in return? No, they were addicted to ministry. They were there to serve. They were there to serve other people. When they came in, it was, what's there to do? What can I get for you? 
And it wasn't about what they were going to get. It was about what they could give in ministry. They were addicted to it. They lived for it. It is what they did. If you were to say, well, what was Stephanus all about? Well, he was all about ministry. But not just ministry, but to the ministry of the saints. Minister to the brethren. To minister to those who were coming in. Notice he says in verse 16 that ye submit yourselves unto such. And to everyone that helpeth us and laboreth. Then he says right here in verse 17, he said, I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaeus. For that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Hold on a second. Again, I'm telling you, Paul, Paul got real with this church at Corinth. He says, what you should have done, they did. What you should have done, they did. Don't let somebody else do your part. But then he says, verse 18, he says, For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. You know why? Because the house of Stephanus was, they were ministering here in Corinth. Let me ask you something. Are you, when you come to church, do you seek to refresh others or be refreshed? Do you seek to refresh others or be refreshed? I'm just going to tell you, there are times when refreshing others is refreshing for yourself. Oh yeah, it's refreshing. They learned this. So Paul gives these comments. Verse 19, he says, Quill and Priscilla, their church, says hello. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. He signed it. If any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him be anathema. Maranatha, that is to say, fit for destruction as the Lord comes. Hello? Fit for destruction as the Lord comes. Whew, that's a tough one. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul closes this letter out as he says, watch and stand fast. He says, let me challenge you as I leave you. I'm going to come see you. I've answered your questions. wonder what Paul was looking for when he came to visit this church at Corinth for the next time. He was probably looking for unity, wasn't he? He was probably looking to have some of these issues that he dealt with to be straightened up and firmed up and done properly. Again, in a few weeks, we'll begin the book of 2 Corinthians. and We're going to see Paul dealing with this church once again. He's going to deal with them in a different manner. And my assumption is as he's dealing with them in a different manner is because they had changed their manners. They got their matters set in order. 
My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus, he said. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we?